1: Pastor Brian Loritz of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship.
2: We all struggle with idolatry, looking to other things to find our identity in outside of Jesus Christ. So you may not know Christ Jesus, but you're here today and maybe you're basing your identity on your GPA. Maybe you're, you're basing your identity on your success or the amount of money in your bank account or, or the fact that you're in a relationship. Whatever it may be, these are elementary principles and it's profoundly immature.
1: Hello and welcome to today's Inspired to Live radio broadcast with Brian Loritz, Senior Pastor of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship in Mountain View, California. We are delighted and honored that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles or on your devices if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Brian continues our teaching series through the New Testament book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Galatians, chapter 4. Now here's Pastor Brian with today's study.
2: Pick me up in verse 1, Galatians chapter 4. The guy who wrote this, his name is Paul. Paul says this, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem, redeem, redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless, worthless, worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, verse 12, become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. My father is um, an extremely intelligent um, uh, man. Uh, In fact, uh, growing up in uh, Newark, New Jersey, uh, he showed such an uh, intellectual and academic aptitude that back then, I don't know if they do that much now, they actually um, uh, skipped him a grade. So I think he jumped from the fifth grade to the seventh grade. Uh, I don't think they do that that much now, um, you know, because that's just violating all kind of socialization patterns and so on and so forth. But that's what they did back in the uh, early 1960s. Um, And a typical report card for my dad, even though he's extremely intelligent, at the same time he was an extremely rambunctious little child, is he would come home with straight A's in academics, and you flip the report card over, and there'd be all U's in conduct. U's meaning unsatisfactory. And uh, my dad recalls coming home uh, one day, I think he's in seventh grade, something like that, and he gives a report card to his mom, and typical straight A's in academics, uh, in conduct, flipped it over, all used, unsatisfactory. And his teacher, Mrs. Codner, actually taking some time to write a note, and the note simply said, Crawford is well on his way to becoming the class clown. Well, dad saw that and didn't... You know, he was just kind of braced himself for what's going to follow, and he sits down to eat dinner. And his his dad, my grandfather's home, and my dad figures he'd hurry up and eat dinner, get get uh, get excused from the table, and go on about the evening's affairs. But just as he's about to leave, uh, his mother says, uh, "Crawford, hold on. Uh, I need to show your dad something." Shows uh, his dad the report card, and um, there's my grandfather. I can see him now studying this report card. Flips it over, sees all you studying it, studying it, and for a moment of just eerie silence. And he's exasperated He exhales And he says to my dad Son, you're getting too old for this You should be past this by now And he said some other things And did a few other things To cement the kind of behavior He was hoping (laughs) (laughs) That his son would get into But my dad says I never forgot that He says, I I, I don't know why It just kind of stuck with me When my dad said "You're, You're getting too old for this you should be past this. It is as if my grandfather said to my dad, I, This was cute in first grade. This is cute in second grade, maybe third grade, but seventh grade, not so cute. You, you should be, you should be past this. And that was a defining moment my dad says in his life. It was as if my grandfather was calling him up into maturity. Sociologists tell us, and you've heard me say this before, that we are in an age called extended adolescence. You've heard me give you this definition of adolescence before. Adolescence is simply defined as wanting the privileges of adulthood without the responsibilities. That's why shacking up appeals to so many extended adolescent males, boys trapped in a man's body. Wait a minute, I can get the benefits of a relationship without having the responsibilities of one. That is adolescent behavior. And young lady, I'm telling you, don't let them test drive you. You're better than that. I know, I know, you can change them. I know. I know, I know. I know. But because of that, adolescence has extended, sociologists tell us to age 35. It is plaguing our society. Boys trapped in a man's body who aren't growing up. Now, as we come to Galatians chapter 4, Paul is not talking in sociological terms, but he is he's got a, a problem he's dealing with, and that is extended adolescence, not sociologically speaking, but spiritually speaking. Here is Paul, he's exasperated. Remember, we, we actually read it just a few seconds ago. He says, I am perplexed by you. It is as if he's rubbing his forehead, looking at the spiritual record, report card of the nation, of, of these believers, and he's saying, You should be past this by now. Here he is in the opening seven verses. He likens uh, the, the nation of Israel, he, he likens them to, to time. And he's saying, Look, when you were kids. You are enslaved to the elementary principles of this world, namely the law. The law is a standard of do's and don'ts. It was a bunch of directives. Eat this, don't eat that, do this, don't do that. In fact, that's how you speak to kids. You speak to kids in directives. God bless you, and I've seen it. I know you're a new-age parent now. You, you want to have a conversation with a two-year-old about whether or not they should stick their hand in the socket. Uh, that's ridiculous. Just, let me just correct you on that. Little Johnny wants to run across El Camino Real, and you want to have a conversation with him about that. That's abusive. Little Johnny needs, well, I can't say that. (laughs) Email me at keith.alcf.net. But with kids, this is how you speak to kids. You speak to kids in directives. Don't do that. You will eat your food. You will make up your bed. You will do this. You won't do that. You will, you won't. You will, you won't. You will, you won't. That's how you speak to kids. You speak to them in directives, and you speak to them kind of in law kind of language. But here's what Paul is saying. I'm perplexed about you because you're 30-something years old still acting like a spiritual two-year-old. Basing your sense of identity off of a list of directives called the law. That's not maturity. That's immaturity. If who you are is based off the fact that I don't see certain kinds of movies and um, y- you know I don't go certain places and I haven't done certain things in such a long time and my identity is kind of being formed off of my moral choices and the fact that I've memorized X amount of verses and, and my giving report and hear me, there is a place for those things, but we never rest our identity on those things. We only rest our identity in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So Paul says, what is this I'm hearing about you? He literally says you observe days and seasons and years. What is he getting to? He's he's getting now back to the Mosaic law. You're basing your identity on whether or not you keep the Passover. You're basing your identity on the fact that you Sabbath. He's not saying those things are wrong, but we don't lean on those things for our own sense of identity. That leads to self-righteousness, and it is profoundly immature. The law is like a set of training wheels. Here you are, 35 years old, boasting in your training wheels. Can't you? Pedaling down the street, training wheels. He says, I'm perplexed about you. Now, I, I know some of you are sitting here and, um, and you're going, well, that's wonderful, but I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ, so I guess it only applies to them. No, not so fast. The phrase he uses is actually telling. He talks about being enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. What he's getting at here is, is, is anything we look to for identity outside of Jesus Christ. And all of us, no matter where you are on the spiritual spectrum, if you've been raised in the church and you've been saved since you were a little kid or you're here today and you would say, I don't know anything about Jesus Christ, we all struggle with idolatry, looking to other things to find our identity in outside of Jesus Christ. So you may not know Christ Jesus, but you're here today and maybe you're basing your identity on your GPA, Maybe you're, you're basing your identity on your success or the amount of money in your bank account or, or the fact that you're in a relationship. Whatever it may be, these are elementary principles, and it's profoundly immature. Corey and I have a person that we, we know. We were just talking about it this week. We, uh, when, when we were at this one church... Um, this individual was in the entertainment industry, um, and he wasn't an A-list actor, a B-list actor, not even a C-list actor. I mean, he had gotten, like, one line and one little two-bit sitcom that didn't last half a season. But he was so impressed with himself, he went out and got a custom-made uh, a license plate that said, Seen on TV. <laughs> and you shake your head at the immaturity. Now, 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 watch this. We're so judgmental. At least he's honest. See, see, we all do that. We all do that. We all struggle with resting our identity and where we went to school, the letters behind our name, where we live, what we own or don't own. And Paul is saying, I'm perplexed by you. that's, That's profoundly immature. He's saying in so many words, you're getting too old for this. Paul is calling us up into spiritual maturity. What does spiritual maturity look like? I want to give you three things. I want us to take this test today, and as we walk through Galatians chapter 4, this is going to be profoundly helpful for diagnosing how we're doing if we're on a trajectory to to maturity or if we're on a downward trajectory towards spiritual immaturity. Paul gives us three diagnostics in which we can measure whether or not we are on the pathway to maturity. The first is what he calls a renewed heart, a renewed heart. Verses 1 through 7, again, he's talking about time, and he's speaking of it in very anthropomorphic terms. He's applying human characteristics to time. He says, but verse four, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. Vibrate, please. Born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. He pictures time as a pregnant woman. He says, when the fullness of time had come, he's writing in Greek. The Greek word for fullness fullness is pleroma. It means to be filled to overflowing, filled to overflowing. It was actually used of, of pregnant women, and not just any old pregnant woman, but a pregnant woman in her third trimester of pregnancy. I'm talking show enough pregnant. I'm talking can't bend down and tie your shoes pregnant because you're so overflowing with baby pregnant. I'm talking can't get comfortable at night pregnant. He pictures time as being in its third trimester and the apex of time, Paul says, is when she gave birth to Jesus Christ. But in the fullness, play Roma, the fullness of time. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under law, and when Jesus came, what did He come to do? He came to redeem us. What did He come to redeem us from? In context, from being enslaved to the law. He came to redeem us from the vicious curse of legalism. The idea of this word redeem, it means to, to set free. It means to emancipate. I love this. My wife and I, we just, um, we, we just spoke on this marriage cruise, Love Like You Mean It. They do it every single year, 1,500 couples just coming together on a cruise, getting inspired uh, to have better marriages. I highly encourage you doing this. It's an incredible opportunity. So my wife and I went, and we spoke at it, and then afterwards, we're at the airport headed back, and we run into one of the couples who spoke at it and we're talking to them, and um, it's, this, um, it's this white couple, and uh, this, this guy speaking, this, this elderly white guy speaking, this saint of a man, incredibly godly. I don't know how we got in the conversation. We were talking about race. He's got tears in his eyes, and he's talking about his great-great-grandfather who was, who, was so, um, um, who was so taken back and aghast at slavery that one day, he says, my great-great-grandfather went to the auction block and bought a slave. And when he bought him, He told the slave, I don't want anything from you. Here's your papers. I bought you to set you free. The slave could not believe it. He takes off running. And then a few moments later, he turns and barrels back to this man who had just bought and purchased his freedom and says, I don't know what to do. I have nowhere to go. I don't know how I'm going to make it. So if you don't mind... I'd love to work for you. My friend says his great-great-grandfather thought about it for a moment, and he says, I'll do it on one condition, that you serve me out of freedom, that at any given moment you can leave. You're not in bondage to me. This is voluntary servitude. This is the idea of redemption. Redemption. We were enslaved to sin, but on a hill called Calvary, Christ redeemed us. He set us free. Watch it. And He didn't set us free for us to now do life on our own terms, but to turn around and to voluntarily serve Him. This is what redemption is. In fact, anytime Paul writes, one of the things he always addresses himself as is Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. You have been set free not to serve rules. You have been set free to serve within the context of a relationship of a God who loves you and cares for you deeply. The tragedy of legalism is legalism teaches us it is quite possible to love rules that it is Jesus. We never fall more in love with reading through the Bible in one year than the man who authored the Bible. So I should hope that we're tracking through and we're continuing to read through the Bible in a year, but listen to me. I think for some of us, reading through the Bible in a year means more to us than what it actually means to God. It is quite possible to read through the Bible and never have intimacy with God. It is quite possible to pray and to do so never praying out of a context of intimacy with him. You've been created to be in relationship with a God who loves you so deeply and so profoundly that he gave his only son for you. So Christ came to redeem us. Watch this now. And he now goes on to say... Here's how you know you're redeemed. And he has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, crying, crying. Greek word, kradzo. It means a loud, shrill, a yell, Abba, Father. Here's how you know you're saved. There's one song on repeat in the soundtrack of your heart Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. That's how you know you're saved. What does that mean? Abba is Aramaic baby talk for daddy. It is a picture of a two-year-old girl crawling into her daddy's lap, maybe grabbing him by the face and saying, Abba, 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 Abba. You only said Abba to those you are in intimate relationship with. How do I know that I'm saved? The Spirit has been sent into my heart, and my heart's cry is Daddy, 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 Daddy. That's how I know I'm saved. Notice you don't know you're saved because you've conformed to a rule. If I could take it to Luke 15, this is the famous story. We call it the prodigal son. It's mislabeled. It should be called a dad and two lost sons. He's got a young, irreligious son who goes to the far country, wastes his money on prostitutes, but there's another son, an elder brother, who's at home. Both of them are far away from the father. One just happens to live in close geographic proximity, but his heart is far away from his dad. If you read that story, what you figure out is he's very responsible he hasn't left home. He shows up every day for work. But there's no heart connection with his dad. That's exactly what Paul is ge- what Jesus is getting to in this story when he's talking about religion. The danger of religion is we can come to church, be in close proximity to the Father, but our hearts are far away from Him. That's why Jesus would call the Pharisees whitewashed graveyards full of dead men's bones. You're a finely manicured sepulcher, but the truth of the matter is you're dead. There's no heart for God. That's why you may be here today. And those who have a heart for God, they sin, and yet when they sin, there is deep what Paul calls godly grief, godly conviction, because I've hurt the heart of daddy. Daddy. If you can sin and feel nothing, be very concerned about the legitimacy of your salvation. So here's how God does it. I love this. The problem with the law is the law only focuses on behaviors. The law is like a long New Year's resolutions list. You may have moments where you're doing well, but there will never be long-term transformation. All the law can do, at best, is behavior modification.
1: Pastor Brian Laritz with today's Inspire to Live radio broadcast. We truly want to thank you for spending time with us today studying God's Word. If you'd like more information on Pastor Brian or on Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, here's how you can contact us. Our mailing address is 2440 Leghorn Street in Mountain View, California, 94043. Our Information Center phone number is area code 650-210-9340. And of course, you can look us up on the World Wide Web at alcf.net where you'll find multiple links with information about our church and our staff, a calendar of upcoming ALCF events, and if you're in the Mountain View area, on Sunday morning our worship service begins at 10 a.m. and we would love for you to join us. Again, for more information on this and everything else happening here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, just visit our website at ALCF.net. Well, we hope you'll join us again next time as Pastor Brian continues to lead us through a study of God's Word. But until then, it is our hope and prayer from everyone here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening.